And for goodness sake, I don't know her name. The purple-headed freak. I can't stand her. Who? Don't know her name. She threw stuff over a painting. You're really anti-purple hair. I am. Because <laughs> all the people I don't, all the people I, all the people I hate have purple hair. Coming up on Outcast UK. Even if they think, oh, I love being gay, like there's certain things that happen that they, everyone goes, oh fuck, I wish I wasn't gay. Mm. Like I wish I wasn't fucking gay. And I captured these moments. I mean, I've had syphilis, I've had gonorrhea, I've had, I've had everything you can think of apart from HIV. I even had monkeypox. How was that? Did you yeah, have the it was full, wonderful. Did you have the full monkeypox experience or just the odd pock? I had three. Oh, you had three? Where were they? Oh my penis. This is the UK's hottest LGBTQ plus podcast. Ooh. Outspoken. Outrageous. Outcast UK. Welcome to this episode of Outcast UK. My name is Graham Smith and I host the show. I came up with the show, I host the show, um, and I've done it since day one. Um, if you've just joined us off the back of listening on Virgin Radio Pride, hello. Maybe you've seen some of the PR that there's been for the show this week with us being in the London Podcast Festival. We were on BBC Radio London the other day. Lots of uh, newspaper mentions as well. So hello to you if you're new to the show. What we're going to do before we do our live show on Friday, where sparks will fly, um, we're going to be catching up with some of my guests for that show um, at London Podcast Festival on Friday. Uh, lined up, Nick Charles, who is on episode number one and is still one of my best mates. Topher, of course, you've heard over the last few uh, months and he's been helping out with some people's problems. And um, it's sex educator, OnlyFans model, talks really frankly. And also, uh, Liam Stoney McDonald. Finally, we get to chat to him again. He was on episode number three, one of our most controversial episodes ever. And he's, he's back with revised opinions about some of his opinions and some new ones as well. He's fairly anti-Just Stop Oil. I will be challenging him on that a lot challenging him on that a lot because he's really angry at them that is all on the way on this episode and remember if you want tickets to see um, all of us uh, live London Podcast Festival playoutcastuk.com is our website get a link on there or kingsplace.co.uk also at London Podcast Festival it's going to be running for 11 days Jamila Jamil returns to the stage at King's Place with guest Caitlin Moran Uh, also announced the Guardian's pop culture podcast with Shante Joseph and special guest Paul C. Brunson Black Pros as well the podcast where black writers talk amongst themselves is going to be making its London Podcast Festival debut. They're going to be joined by best-selling author Dorothy Coombson as well. Ticket info, uh, get them ordered, get them done, get them booked in advance on kingsplace.co.uk. Right now, set the scene. We're in Seven Sisters in London in a studio that looks lovely but stinks of weed. Uh, it was nice and cheap. It's one of my favourite locations because it's just real and there's a good coffee shop next door. So I caught up with Liam McDonald and we started by just taking a bit of a look. He, he had it out in front of me, just some of his recent work. Outcast UK with Graham Smith. They are all unfinished. Okay, yeah, so flick through. So it says heartbroken men. So oh. I've gone with a, uh, an old school American dream. Of right. romance. What's the story behind that then? So the whole series, if you flick through, yeah. I'm just uh, trying to capture right. like old school romance. Um, Hollywood, California dreaming, yeah, um, vintage America, kind of old school Republican, very vintage and yeah, underground and colourful. Is the theme all all gay or is it? It's, um, all, it's all queer, yeah, queer yeah. love. Um, so, what made you do it? What was the what so was the reason? I obviously oh. love America. <laughs> the one dollar whore with the uh, yeah, yeah, with the. Uh, <laughs> The dick getting sucked on the belt. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. When you look back at like old movies or old lyrics, for example, if you look at like Lana Del Rey, with all these like vintage lyrics and beautiful stories of the past. And I want to try and capture this Hollywood glamour, old money, kind of queer love. Yeah. And focus like on that, on like just vintage, vintage queer love. Nowadays, a lot of uh, queer relationships are quite hardcore. You know, we have all these like open relationships, have all these like sex parties, all these drugs and all these. And I kind of want to imagine a world where it's not like that. And it's just two people in love just running around America. Loving the freedom, really. yeah. Yeah. When we think of America now and we think of queer men in America, we think sort of, what's the first thing you think of when you think of queer men in America? I go on. It's the same I, if, as me. If I'm honest with you, like old money casinos, vintage cars, kind of attractive masculine men, suits. Mm-hmm. You know, very old school. What 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 a man is. That that's how I would. I would as opposed to now, where you'd be like, maybe meth. meth. I'd, I'd I'd have put that at the meth top of the list. and purple hair. What's been happening with you since um, 2021? Because the last time we met in this studio, in where are we now? 
Are we in Tottenham? Seven Sisters. With all the crackheads outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I love this studio. I feel so at home. Um, so what's been going on since since then? Because um, obviously we follow each other on social media um, and I'm always looking at what you're doing and I know you're always getting in touch and let me know what's going on and just responding to what I've done and stuff like that. But um, I, I got the impression that it's been a bit of a... A bumpy ride. I mean, there is often a bumpy ride with you. I mean, there is with artists. <laughs> there is, with, there is with artists. I think that's I'm probably. On. I think I'm known for my bumpy rides. Yeah. I think. I think that's my career, right? Yeah. Well, my career started because of a bumpy ride. Uh-huh. I mean, I didn't fall into the art world easily. Mm-hmm. I kind of got thrown in, and I was a hot mess, and I've just carried on being styled it out, really. Yeah. I kind of ran with it, but I have really nice periods where I'm kind of left alone, and then I'm. I'm painting, and then when I release new paintings or drawings, and it gets bumpy, and then people have comments to say, and then it's like, but yeah, no, you're right. My life has been very bumpy since the last time. Likewise, likewise. <laughs> what's um, what's gone on? Because there was going to be um, one or two sort of displays of your work that you were excited about. I was also excited about it because I was looking forward to actually seeing that come along, uh, and stuff sort of got um, cancelled. Yeah, like you've been cancelled. Yeah. Pretty much. So how this works, a lot of art shows are done with like group shows. Uh And in the queer art world, everyone's very friendly. Everyone gets along with each other and everyone knows everyone. Now there's different levels of being an artist. You can be up and coming or you can be on the middle ground or you can be the top notch. And a lot of the time, the top notch is the person that kind of decides who they want to show with if they're going to be in this show with this person, this person. And majority of the time, everything goes smoothly until my name is announced to be in the show. And then other people in that show kind of kick off about it. Like they don't want to be in the same show as me. And because they have a high uh, status or power, they could say, yeah, 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 they could say, well, I'm not going to be part of this show if so-and-so is part of this show. Then it causes a lot of chaos. It gets put onto social media. Everyone has an opinion. So, if I'm perfectly honest with you, I have, and I and I, I understand that sometimes I say things that trigger a harsh response, um, but my dream is actually to be friends with everyone and to be involved in all these group mm-hmm. shows. It's, it's all I ever want to do. Art is my life. It, it, it's fed me. It's housed me. It, it, mm-hmm. it runs through my veins, and I, you know, it's 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 it's, it's my whole entire existence. So all I want to do is be able to show this to people and to, to be a part of these queer groups that go around Europe showcasing. And it's really difficult because it doesn't happen because someone doesn't want to be shown with me. Um, so I was meant to be in, in a show with a lot of incredible artists who I won't talk down on, even though they've been slating me. Right. Um, they decided they don't want me to be part of the show because their own personal opinions so what are their got, opinion, what, what's the reasons because so, i can imagine but i mean what what are the reasons because well a lot of people think i only focus on or my work is trying to focus on ugliness of of the gay world rather than ex, uh celebrating love and and i disagree i think i disagree well. i think my artwork actually celebrates everything yeah and it's 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 painfully honest to the point where actually there is so much beauty going on in the gay community and there's also a lot mm-hmm. of horrible stuff that's going on that nobody speaks about and i think it's really important to to speak out about it um but a lot of people's view it is in internal homophobia mm-hmm. um i hate being gay i hate gay men i hate queerness so it's, this is how other people are perceiving it um so when obviously when there's a queer show and you've got all these beautiful paintings about gay love. They, you know, don't want my work with their work, um, which is an absolute shame because I started off thinking it was quite cool to be quite controversial, and thinking actually this is this is a really good good pathway. Like I can be myself. I can have my own opinions. I can, and it went well for 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 a long period of time, and now it's damaging me. Mm-hmm. It's almost you know, it stopped me in my tracks. Something that that was helping me three years ago is now stopping me from achieving things now. But it is because of someone at the top notch Mm -hmm. in in these shows. Um, So what's happened is I was meant to be involved in these shows around Europe. Someone didn't want me to be there. They kicked off. Other people joined them. 
Um, and then the creator of the show said, we just can't have you because there will be no show because no one wants to show with you. Um, so what, I, don't, I still don't understand what you've really done wrong. Do they think that you're internalized homophobia, you're, you're monetizing your own internalized homophobia and, and selling art to people who are homophobic or anti-LGBTQ? Well, it's difficult for me to see because I, I can see your body of work has... Yes, the dark bits. I mean, you know, isn't that not your style anyway? Like, your work with your mother. Right. It was dark, wasn't it? Yeah. But at the same time, there's, I've seen plenty of stuff where you're celebrating being sex positive. But I, I wouldn't look at it and go, oh, that's, that's being someone who's got internalised homophobia. Some of it's just really stylized, isn't it? You're, you're, yeah, you're correct. Well, actually, everyone that buys my work is actually pro-gay and is gay men. And yeah. that's my biggest niche. All my collectors around Europe are all gay rich men really mm -hmm. um but the, the honest thing that really upsets me and gets to me is that everyone thinks their life is sweet and perfect mm -hmm. and that they're so proud to be gay and they've done nothing wrong but if i said to them if you pass me your diary that you've been writing in i can guarantee you it's not as pretty as you think mm -hmm. if i read back everything that you've done wrong in life or everything that you've been involved in it's it's not pretty just because i have the guts to admit where i've gone wrong and I paint about it, and I express all these situations I've been in, doesn't make me a bad guy. It doesn't make me homophobic. For example, if I say there's a huge drug problem in the gay community... There fucking is. There fucking is. There absolutely is. I just don't like the fact I'm facing them with a harsh reality. Mm -hmm. And we kind of glamorise this lifestyle. Well, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm to the point. It's ugly, it's dangerous, and mm -hmm. people are dying. Mm -hmm. And they just don't like that. They, they, don't, they don't want to be faced with reality. Because, of course, if I do put something out there that is quite controversial, yes, there's people who are homophobic that will kind of use my work in their defence. So I understand that. I haven't that, but seen that, though. No, nor have I. I've it it doesn't happen. No. It just doesn't happen. But that, that, that's part of my bumpy road. I, I've been cancelled from a show that I really wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And I've worked really hard to rekindle relationships. And a lot of these queer artists, they came in together. Like, they, they've built these relationships. They've built these friends. I came in alone. Yeah. I was doing interviews without even knowing these people. So everything that I've done in the past, I was a lone wolf. I, I didn't have a friendship mm. group in the gay community. I was all mm. alone. Um, so I'm, I'm still, like... Even though I'm pretty established, I walk into a room and there's clicks already. Like it's hard for me to form relationships with people because one person doesn't like me or this person has an opinion on me and it kind of just spreads around and it's really, really difficult, mm. especially when you're trying to be taken seriously, which I think I am. I think you are, yeah. yeah. I you're think definitely I am taken, taken seriously. seriously. Yeah. It's just I can't be a, a part of all the fun stuff that I want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I would love for them to call me up and be like, hey, we really, wanna, we really want you to be a part of this show, even though we don't really agree with your work. It would be amazing. I don't get what there isn't to agree with about your work. I, I, I really don't. People are lying if they say that there's no problem with, with chemsex and with... With I, with reckless sex and people who are suffering with their mental health and all, because there is that, there is just that. But I, I'd love to know what it is about, about you that's particularly triggered these people. So I'll tell you a story about, I when I was doing all these reckless things, mm -hmm. I'll be drawing about them. And I remember when I went for a phase where I was being clean and sober and I looked back at the drawings. When was that? I'm not, I'm not laughing, by the way. <laughs> when was the period? When we last spoke, you were, weren't you? Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. I still am, ish. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I was on my journey of, of staying away from alcohol and drugs and, and sex, I became really healthy. I was going to the gym. My mind was in a really good place. Mm -hmm. I was a completely different person. I looked back at my drawings and even I was like, Jesus, like, that's rough. And then it made me realise which ones. You know, I don't know if you see the ones where it's like a, um, like a gangbang, and at the bottom it's like um, they they wouldn't get off me because they was on drugs or something. It was right, like an yeah. old. And I went back and I thought, Jesus, that that's pretty rough. Mm -hmm. um, so then I kind of realised actually from a fresh eye, my drawings do look quite shocking. Yeah. And 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 back then I didn't think it. It was just my life. Yeah. Um, and in it, depending on what environment that these drawings are put in makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. So if there is like this pro-love show, like with all these paintings of like beautiful gay men and love and love wins, and then you've got my drawings, like, oh, 
that's a bit of a turn. Fucking but, boring though. Love wins. Well, yeah, I'd like to think so, but yeah, it's boring. I, it? I think so. I think so. I think a lot of uh, queer artists uh, do the same same shit, just different brush. Mm. It's a bit like live life love, and, isn't it? But for a sort of rich queer market. Absolutely. And I think uh, queer art uh, could be way more stronger if people mm. were just honest and and stop trying to paint this kind of Disneyland. And, it's bollocks. Yeah. Who wants to see that? I think I think a lot of gay men go through a lot of problems. Heartbreak, mental health, trying to find themselves. And it takes a gay man many 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 years to come to terms with the fact they're actually gay even if they think oh i love being gay like there's certain things that happen that they everyone goes oh fuck i wish i wasn't gay mm. like i wish i wasn't fucking gay and i captured these moments and that, that and i think that's why my work has divided people because i do get a huge amount of support and people i mean people get my work tattooed on them people come up to me in the streets like i do get this really big um it's just you know not everyone wants to be faced with reality. Mm. Mm. Um, I remember, remember when we first chatted? Um, I do remember. A few years ago now. I mean, it's just at, like... At mess- knife point. At knife point, yeah. <laughs> um, a few years ago now, and you, in the build-up to it, you sent me some of your work, and I seen it, and it did have an emotional effect on me. And I got it out because you just messaged me, and I was like, oh. And it made me feel all kinds of things, especially the one that said gay men with HIV go to hell. And I think there's loads of people that has a, a, a an effect on because in a, in the back of a lot of people's subconscious, people who've got HIV sometimes that can really be like, and with a lot of gay men in particular, there is always that bit of guilt in the background. But of course, you didn't you, you didn't mean it that way. Yeah, it wasn't it was obviously literal. it wasn't yeah. that, it wasn't a literal thing. We've been through this before, but it it, it does have that initial that initial impact on on people your work because it's kind of it's visceral isn't it i think if you don't know my work and you don't know who i am if you come face to my work it's it it can be really jarring it mm-hmm. can be well, only some of it though uh, yeah um but then you get to kind of know the stories behind the drawings and then you get to know me and you get to know my past and you kind of put the puzzle pieces together and you think jesus this makes sense yeah like, it makes sense this series of drawings are really powerful of a of a young gay man that that fell down the wrong path, and you're not a cunt, and I'm not a cunt. <laughs> you're not a cunt. Breaking fucking news! I'm not a dick. <laughs> not Liam is not a dick. He's actually really sound. But when I first met you, I thought number one, he's not going to turn up. Number oh, two, really? he's going to be a fucking diva. Yeah. And neither of them were true. The, I think if people, if if you got the chance to speak in your uncensored, authentic self in your own voice more often. I think people would drop that set of conclusions that they've had before. So, um, yeah, sorry to hear that that's happened because I know you were looking forward to doing that show and yeah, it's, it's a shame. It, it's fine. Um, I'm always prepared for these things. Uh, the person that has uh, basically stopped me from being in a show has had out for me for a very long time. Right, so it's an old school vendetta and it's an opportunity Kind to... of, yeah. Um, we have the same collector. We're kind of seen on the same... Okay. So it's like a personal thing. Um, rivalry. Rivalry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, for example, let's say if an investor says to you, I'll invest £30,000 in you. Mm-hmm. And then the same investor says to the other artist, I'll invest £50,000 in you. You'd think, why is that person getting more than me? Why uh-huh. is this person getting more attention of me? What can I do to stop that? How can I be that person? It's a game of chess. Mm-hmm. The art world is not easy. It is a cutthroat industry. You, it's one man for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as all these queer shows that go on with like 20 different artists, I can guarantee you every single person, in the slightest, even the smallest things, why is that artist on that wall and I'm, and I'm on that wall? Yeah, why I is, totally get that. Why is their painting being seen before mm-hmm. mine? Why is... is Everyone is not as friendly as, as they want it to be. It's, You're the ultimate a, freelancer, really, aren't you? Like in in the world of art, and I think of other people that do this kind of thing, like they, they they do podcasts. And I'm trying to think of the ones that I like, and they're few and far between. And they're probably thoroughly decent people, but they're also your rivals. And mm-hmm. you kind of like there's a kind of like a jealous obsession, isn't there? You know. Tell me about the um. So when we last met, you were you weren't even drinking, were you? I don't think I've ever got. See, alcohol is the one that I can never. I can never get rid of. What are you? Where are you? Do you mind talking about where you're up to now? I can. I can talk about it. Go on. I'm not. I'm not. Like I can talk about it. Um, 
Yeah, I stopped drinking and I stopped taking drugs mm -hmm. uh, for about I got a year and a half. Do we count, count? Do we count weed as a drug? We don't. We did. Yeah. And then I made an excuse and said we don't. Well, I okay. Well, I think cannabis is a gateway drug on and off hard drugs. But yeah. yeah. So where where are you up to right now? So I this is going to sound really really um, strange, but hand on heart, like stopping drinking and taking drugs has actually been the worst thing for me and it's probably my biggest mistake i've ever done Why? because i lost everything i lost all my friends i became boring i was no longer this reckless person everyone knew in the art world people weren't maybe taking as much attention to me i wasn't being invited to all these shows right um they liked broken liam yeah and broken liam's sold sold yeah Mm -hmm. and when I made a decision to become clean and sober I thought I'm going to really focus on my paintings and actually my life went downhill right went downhill um and that was a really hard thing to to come to terms with uh and it really got to me I mean I was breakdown after breakdown after breakdown um why? What, what the reason being? You just felt your life had sort of stopped. The momentum had stopped, and it was a yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And I saw all these um, kind of young gay men who are, who are phenomenal painters. I mean, artwork to, to dream for, um, and ta talent that's pure. And they were very reckless, taking drugs and having all this fun with all these collectors. And I was no longer having person. all this fun with all these collectors. What do you mean? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people sleep with their collectors. Okay, and cool. like just going out drinking and yeah. partying and having this kind of fun lifestyle with their collectors, which I used to. Did you sleep with your collectors? I slept with a few of my collectors. For, um, for Because it was fun or just for... Just because it was fun and the situation I was in. But yeah. I just want to make it clear that actually... My collectors were collecting my work before I, before no, yeah, I, fair, was, fair enough, yeah. I wasn't sleeping around to get where I am today. Um, uh, but that was all taken from me. And now I, I'm just, yeah. So I regret, I do regret becoming clean and sober. That's my biggest regret in life. Did you ever, so now you're a combination of it, the, the, the drugs and everything that aren't taking over your life, but you, 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 you do sometimes. Uh, when I'm, yeah, when I'm in a dark place, I do. It's when you're in a dark place. Yeah. I think um, learning how to paint without alcohol was really difficult. Right. Learning how to, to, to draw without drugs was really difficult. Um, and when I stopped, I was, I'd be in my studio for hours just looking at walls, thinking, where do I fucking start? How do, how do, I, how do I paint? How do I draw? Like it, it, I went back to day one okay. and it was terrifying. Like, because then I wasn't honest about my, my feelings. Like I, I find my, I can't be honest with myself without alcohol and drugs so when i'm if i'm drunk or if i'm high i'm emo i'm really emotional and i, I really talk heavily uh -huh. which is what i'm known for is talking heavily about my opinions uh -huh. and, and my emotions and all that was gone mm. and i was it, it, and i just froze and then i realized why is no one uh inviting me out and like, why is my friend stopped talking to me mm -hmm. Uh, why is this huge um, event going on, which I'm always being invited to? Why am I not being invited to this time? Mm -hmm. And I realized, wow, I've, I've become boring and no one's interested. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I try and pull myself away from it because I don't want to be that person, but I, I have been in and out recently. How much do you drink when you drink? A lot? Or just drink a bit? Because I just think of this because you, obviously... Your parents were both sort of alcoholics. Yeah, they are alcoholics, yeah. So is it that kind of drinking? It's not that kind of drinking. It's not. I never I never had a, a hardcore problem with drinking. Mm -hmm. um, but but growing up with my parents, I realised that actually everyone has a problem with drinking without realising. Yeah. Even if you drink three times a week, if it's excessive to the point where you black out, that's a problem. Yeah. That, yeah. That's not normal. That's mm -hmm. not normal. Um. Um, but no, I'm nothing like my parents. I would mm -hmm. hope not ever. That'd be my biggest fear. You know, my older sister, um, if she goes down like a dark path, or if I do, she would always say to me, am I like mum? And I'm like, no, not like mum. And I'm like, am I like mum? And she'd be like, you're not like mum. So we kind of reassure each other that we're not like mum. <laughs> you're quite close to your sister, aren't you? My older one, yeah. Yeah. 
because I, I remember I saw that she uh, she came to visit you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy about that. Yeah, so we, we were very different. We had the same childhood. Uh, I think she had it a bit worse than me. Um, she's very quiet. Why did she have it worse? Um, I think because my sister was quite reckless when she was younger anyway. She was okay. quite boisterous. Like she would run away from home. Okay. She would always kind of argue back with mum. And if mum hit her, she would hit mum. And it would be like this kind okay. of. Where she um, internalised everything. Yeah, like I, w- I was just fragile as it is. I was uh-huh. a very, very fragile. Um, and I've spent the last six years painting about my mum. So I've been able to have everything out of my system Uh, where my sister hasn't had that so she we're very different she doesn't like big spaces like she's she's, she doesn't like leaving her box where i'm like i'm going here here Mm -hmm. here. i'm flying to america i'm doing this 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 Um, yeah um but very close i love my sister very much and we try and speak as often as possible mm-hmm. sometimes we don't sometimes we've gone for a whole year without speaking oh wow okay and it's just like a, a, a mm-hmm. um yeah okay so um i wanted to pick up a few things that we had there that, that we chatted about last time um you i remember you surprised me about prep and i don't know why i didn't see it coming you were like, I actually disagree with it i was like really still disagreeing with it what's the what's what's the current thought process there because this is an ongoing um conversation that that, that that i've i've continued since you ca- i've used your clip in other episodes i've referenced you even in episodes about prep and about hiv and everything. where are you up to now honestly don't L- let me tell you something about that conversation no one has let that down <laughs> <laughs> everyone keeps talking about it even now um so honestly my, my opinions my opinions haven't changed mm-hmm. and, I, and i think it's more because how I'm like on prep. So when I take prep, I'm reckless. Obviously, it's used so you can't contract HIV, mm-hmm. which is a groundbreaking thing. And it is amazing. And absolutely, we've come so far. Um, but I do think if you ask someone who does all these reckless things, if they would do it without prep, they would say no. No, yeah, you're right. They'd, they'd say no. And if you look at the rise of ST, other STIs because of prep, because no one's wearing a condom, the NHS is, is well, the sexual health clinics are literally dying. Mm. There is no funding whatsoever. Mm. And we as gay men aren't helping that because mm. we keep going back with every STI that's been invented. Syphilis and gonorrhea. Are, are, yeah, and I speak from experience. Yeah. Like I've had it all. Like I'm, I, I, I've spoken about this. I'm not, I'm not coming into this conversation as someone that's, you know, the Virgin Mary. I mean, I've had syphilis. I've had gonorrhea. I've had, I've had everything you can think of apart from HIV. I even had monkeypox. Mm. Um, oh, how was that? Pardon? How was that? Did you yeah, have the it was full, wonderful. Did you have the full monkeypox experience or just the odd pock? I had three. Oh, you had three? Where were they? On my penis. Oh, you had them? Oh, right. Okay. How embarrassing. It was mortifying. Have you had the, the jab? I wasn't allowed the jab Why? because Not they said... The slot? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, the they reason. said to me because I already had it, uh, you can't take the jab because you can't contract it again. Right. Okay. Because um, I had to... I had to um, I queued for, so I really wanted the monkeypox jab because I thought at some point I'm going to fucking need this. Um, so I've been for a couple of them and I had to queue from seven o'clock in the morning because there's a limited uh, stock of them in Manchester um, outside the, the hospital there until like 11 in the morning. It was raining and you should, it was like queuing outside a nightclub waiting to get in there and I was glad that I did. But when I got in, I had to fucking lie so much. I was like, have you done this? Yeah. Gang banged. Yes. Campsite. Lie. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> well, I Lying. Hadn't, I, I hadn't done that yeah, recently. Right. <laughs> yeah. they're, all, they're all available on the menu. Um, but I hadn't, and, and I had to proper sort of like, you had to go in there with like eight loads in you before they'd even sort of do this even sort of see you. Um, okay. So you haven't really changed your opinion on that. And I, I, but I do think, I, I, I do think, um, I know why people are hurt and upset about that, my opinions on that. Um, but I do think logically, if you look at the statistics and the data of other STIs rising since PrEP, the funding to try and keep these sexual health clinics just open, there's only so much a government can do until we ourselves actually say, actually, maybe it's best I don't just catch an STI. Maybe I should just wear a condom. Like, what is the issue with people wearing a condom? Why aren't people... It feels... Um, you can't really but is that much. worth damaging your body when you catch an STI? We're just immune to it. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's two jabs. 
Oh, it doesn't matter. My dick's all for weed. What it does to your insides mm-hmm. over a period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's not just oh, it's just a regular thing that just happens every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what what's happened sort of since when we spoke is so STI rates went down during monkeypox. The amount of sex we were having went down, but then it's also massively risen over a period when we sort of felt a bit safer. And what it what it suggests to me personally is that when there's something that protects us from the thing then we almost feel invincible. And I think some of that's got to do with how long some people were in lockdown or maybe you had a homophobic upbringing or maybe you couldn't have all the sex you wanted and some people, it's kid in candy shop time. Yeah. It's kind of, they're going through their slut phase and they're just going to get all of the dick they can. And, and having been through that myself on numerous occasions, I can understand how they can get there. Like syphilis is on the rise on an unbelievable scale. I had syphilis for six months without realising it. Well, did you go deaf? I I went deaf. Bitch, I, I was in hospital. Fuck. I was in hospital. This My is organs. Recently? This is we spoke about it on the last on the last show, I think. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was in hospital. My organs were swelling. They actually thought I had HIV. Did That's you what, have the seroconversion illness. They d- thought d- it was d- that. They because I was in a and I was thinking I can't. I was sweating. I was actually, I had a housemate at the time. I had two housemates and they would come bring me like cups of water in the middle of the night and my bed sheets were just drenched oh, in wow. sweat. Like I was just, I was really ill. I couldn't walk. I was wobbly. My, I couldn't wee. Your inner ear. Inner ear will have made you wobble. Oh you yes. Walk. Yeah, 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 for yeah. For me, yeah. I just had really bad tinnitus. Couldn't hear for And I had a scab over my penis. I couldn't wee. It, I was bleeding. From, it was just awful. Like it was actually horrific. Like I, I really damaged my body. Like I was, mm. it was, oh, God, it was horrific. But the, the, the stats, I think it's sometimes with you, it's how you make point. The stats kind of back you up. You know, the prep has resulted in more people having more sex. That, that, is, that is kind of a given. Let, let's be like honest. You don't want me just, just cutting in mm-hmm. there. Like, if I actually think about it, people died from HIV. This is a serious, serious matter. Gay men died. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Mm-hmm. We have been given something that is life changing. Mm-hmm. Let's not abuse it. Yeah. Let 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 let's not abuse it. It's it's not there for you to to be wild. It's mm-hmm. not. It's there so you can live another fucking day. Like mm-hmm. it's if you it's it's this incredible thing that's been invented, and I think we are just abusing it and abusing it to the point where if things start costing too much, I'll just take it from us like that. Oh, it's so they will just so take true. it from us, and then what? I have the same concerns about HIV care. Do you ever see Nigel Farage bringing up, we can't afford any foreigners coming in, especially ones with HIV that cost a fortune. And I'm like, this is where it starts. It starts with this argument. And then you fast forward and we've got like, we've got, you know, these are fucking fascists now, aren't they? Well, you fast forward 10 years when budgets are tighter, there's different Oh, it's going to be tighter. They're just going to go, oh, well, you know, preps are. And actually HIV, uh, if you have that, well, you know, your care is costing us X amount of money. So we need some money off you for that. The yeah. state won't pay for that. And I, I'm fearful of us stepping down that route. And this conversation you and I have now has taken place in a com- contextually totally different environment to the one when we were December 2021, Boris Johnson was, was in charge. That point, you know, arguments with the general public around about trans rights and everything, it hadn't, it hadn't become the wedge issue that it is today. The context of us having this conversation today is totally different to, to back then because at that point, we weren't dealing with the same sort of societal and systemic or obvious societal and systemic homophobia and transphobia that we are now. Um, so your work has taken place within a completely different context as well, hasn't it? Like, are you still being, are you still being on the receiving end of lots of criticism? Or have you noticed that's died off a little It bit? has died off. Yeah. It has died off, actually. Um, no, you know, yeah, definitely. It has died off. It's ish. Bumpy ride. Mm-hmm. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But it has died off. I wanted to ask you a bit as well about, right, why do you hate Just Stop Oil so much? Now, you're not the only, you're not the only gay that hates Just Stop Oil. I was a, um, my friend Nick, who you, you're going to meet next week when we do the live show. Um, and we were at his before walking out to Manchester Pride. I think the parade was on and people were like, I think Just Stop Oil are going to stop it. And everyone was like, Just Stop Oil, they stopped London Pride. And I was like, good. Because sometimes, sometimes these corporate prides deserve a bit of a boost up the arse, which is that, you know, if you're taking your money off your big corporates, then you're going to have to take the fact that, you know, you are then a target. You have a completely different opinion to me on Just Stop Oil. And you were particularly upset at the way they were um, trash, 
trashing works of art. My argument with that was it's covered in plastic. But the yeah, but you, you you're not a big fan. I I despise just stop oil. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like them. I just think these kids are so privileged. They come from Brighton. Their parents are wealthy. Just because you dyed your hair purple doesn't make you queer. Oh, God, I just think they're the most middle-class people that do, so desperate want to be working class. You know, mm. it's like these these kids that um would scream, oh, like the song, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, mm-hmm. who actually come from really wealthy families. And mm-hmm. like, they're so privileged. And for you to, to, dis- to destroy things, to get in people's way you know it's, it's such a big argument so if we want to like break it down sitting in front of the, the roads stopping cars and ambulances people do not have the choice mm-hmm. anymore if they want to take a sick day off right mm-hmm. people have no choice they've got to go to work bills are going up you are potentially stopping someone from paying their rent from feeding their kids from having an easy life at work they are the most disruptive violent people I have ever come across. Well, they're not violent, are they're they? They're so violent because they're causing all this disruption. And if That's not actually, violence, is if, it? It's direct action. If you look at, um, if you look at protesting, um, one of the best freedoms that we have, mm-hmm. um, you go back in time and you see these incredible ways of protesting. I've never known a protest protesting place that where you vandalize things and get in the way of people that actually works so for example you want to stop oil you've caused so much criminal damage you've caused so much public upset you've been in a way in in front of ambulances people have died so my question sim is how much oil have you stopped because it's not working and actually for example there was someone on the news they stopped an ambulance from going past and the person they were going to died in their home. To me, that's attempted murder. You stop someone from getting the help that they need. This isn't protesting. Just where like how free speech isn't hate speech, vandalism isn't protesting. It's, it's just absolutely bibolical that they can go around and, be, and just vandalise things. And we're talking about middle class people. We're not talking about working class people. These people, if you do a lot of research on these people, they, they come from the best life. They go to the best schools in, in London. Well, they're educated. Well, because like, I think education educated. is a kind of... I disagree with that. I wouldn't say they're educated because they go to the best schools. You can go to a really shit school and be educated. Absolutely, but the, a lot of but, working class people are now processing because... The, 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 because they've got to go to work and they've got to pay yeah, their bills. Yeah, they've got to think of the bottom line. And I they guess, haven't yeah. got their parents to, 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 li- to have li- get a day off where they can just disrupt everyone else's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just outrageous. Oil companies know these people aren't. There's no way. So they're way doing of... the oil companies work for them. Is, is, is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, by, absolutely. Yeah. I would say, firstly, when it comes to works, because that's the thing that triggered you quite badly, isn't it? You were seeing these priceless works of art from hundreds of years ago sometimes having shit thrown at them. And then it turns out they were just covered in plastic. It doesn't matter if they're covered in plastic. But it, it does. It does. does. Why does it? Why? Why? Because what, then it's not damaged, does it? Yeah, but it's still it's still an act of of like vandalism. Mm-hmm. That and, much is true. And, and it's just it's that. just you want to say you know these people are educated. They have here's the thing: the people that threw paint over artworks have never been in an art gallery before. They don't know what that painting means. Mm-hmm. They don't know how how that painting has inspired people. They have zero knowledge of the works that they're trying to destroy. Mm-hmm. So these people aren't educated, they're just dumb. What would you, what would you, do we agree that something needs to be done to Absolutely. literally stop oil? Here's, so we're on, we're the, on the same side there. I think the message is correct, yeah. but I think they're damaging that message completely. Mm-hmm. Who the hell is actually going, yeah, we need to stop oil after these protesters? No one, no one cares, no one wants to speak about it, no one wants to know about it. They've made the public so angry that that debate won't even happen anymore. But I feel like it's, it, they've, They've maybe fallen into a trap of allowing themselves to be used as ammunition by the far right and the right, really. But they've done it to themselves, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But um, my, I, I actually support what they do because I think, you know, look at the way you can feel the difference in the climate. You can see it around the world. And I feel like 10 years from now, if, you know, huge areas in the global south are no longer habitable, tens of millions of people on the move, ultimately the undoing of humanity won't necessarily be because we boil alive. It'll be because of crop failures and the mass displacement of people. I don't know what other way there is 
successfully to get the message across okay, because so every other avenue is being shut down. Sure, you're correct. And how is destroying the Last Supper painting going to solve that? But also, you know, let's go back 100 years and say, how was um, getting in the way of the, the, the prime, chaining yourself to the prime minister's carriage going to get women to vote? Or how was throwing yourself in front of the king's horse at the derby going <laughs> to... You know, gonna bring votes for women, but it did. It was it was turning up the noise, and I feel like you can put yeah, them but all that's in a the reason place. why it turned up the noise is because people were agreeing to it and wanting to take part. No one wants to take part of the just oil protests. Only them themselves. No one is going. That looks like a really good idea. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take the day off work, even though I'm struggling for rent, and I'm gonna uh -huh. sit in the middle of the road. No one's wanting to join this pro. People want to join the message. They don't want to join the way they're doing it, mm -hmm. and that's the issue. They're kicking themselves in the teeth for, for the way they're protesting because no one wants to be a part of it. The message is correct, but I don't know anyone that's going to go, oh yeah, that, that, that looks like a great way of doing things. Let's go to an art gallery we've never been before and throw paint. And for goodness sake, well, I don't know her name, the purple-headed freak, I can't stand her. Who? Don't know her name. She threw stuff over a painting. You're really anti-purple hair. I am. It's because all the people I don't, all the people I, all the people I hate have purple hair. <laughs> Such a difficult um, but you know, to maintain, you know, saying well. saying something like, um, "People can't afford to feed their kids whilst you're wasting food by throwing over a painting." Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's just outrageously ridiculous. What about and the snooker? Were you upset about that when they threw the? Well, I, I, well, um, I mean, what, 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 what has it done apart from annoy people? Yeah, it's annoy people. It's annoy people. Like, um, well done for, what, trying to stay relevant? Like, if, if the only way you can get your message by is by disrupting the public, then you're failing. Mm. I mean, if, if you're that educated and that clever, have a good debate. Mm -hmm. By throwing shit and but by... debate has not worked, has it? No, it hasn't. Well, no, the reason why it hasn't is because they've kicked themselves in the teeth and then they're not known for their debating skills. Mm -hmm. They're not known for saying anything. They're known for being bloody idiots. They need to fuck off back to Brighton and go back with their rich parents. And stop trying to be this kind of working class, ruining working classes people's lives by stopping them from going to work and mm -hmm. having to feed their kids and and providing God, a wedge issue we for the conservatives such, to amplify. We are in such a hard time right now, and people are really, really struggling. And people don't want to have to go to work, but they they have to overtime. Mm -hmm. And imagine really really struggling and you're in a car on the way to work and you can't do your fucking shift because someone's stopping you because they're being brats and now you can't pay your fucking rent because they have an opinion on the fucking climate change so what i've noticed is not so many purple-haired people as being a, a lot of sort of um, middle class ish former <laughs> teachers um art teachers former english teachers 60 odd year olds who are doing it because they're concerned about their children's future so not so much the the class of person with the purple hair, with the rich, the rich parents who were op opting for radical socialism, even though it would keep Labour out of power for 20 years. It was a different type of person. I feel it like, I think you've been triggered by the way they obviously treated like masterpieces, really. I've been oh. triggered by how they've treated our country. Okay. And, and individuals that just want to go on with their life and pay their rent. I'm triggered by that. I don't think they have any right to, to, to stop someone from trying to survive. People have actually died because of these protesters, right? If I was to stop someone from receiving help from an ambulance and they died, I would be done. I'd be taken to court and sent to prison. Yeah. Why are these people not being in prison? Well, they are being in prison. Good. They are being in prison. Good. And they're not allowed to bring up the climate defence in their defence that's being cut. So I Good. feel like I, I, I'm actually on their side. I will leave you with this thought, which is that nothing ever got done without people being pissed off. I agree with that, but maybe today's not the day. Yeah. Maybe. I, I agree with that. I, like, again, I support the message. Yeah. I just, we, they just need to come up with a better idea to, to protest. General election next year. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Excited. Why are you excited? Um, I Tell people what your political affiliations are so they can understand the context of that. Um... Dun, dun, dun. You're a, you're a no, centre-left Labour person, aren't you, really? Yeah, no, I am. I am um, a Labour voter, Labour supporter. Likewise. Um, through and throughout, but I'm not... Uh, I'm more of a centralist. Yes. 
You're uh, a Starmerist, aren't you? Oh uh, yeah, I, lo- I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I think he's, he's, um, I think he's done a. a, a, a I think he had a really difficult job, and people laughed at him when he got elected. And now he's twenty points ahead. Mm-hmm. To be able to turn a party round, to be able to get conservative voters to even look at you, has actually mm-hmm. never been done in in, in since Blair. So, yeah, mm. um, I think he's brilliant. Um, mm. I think he's staying away from debates that are just that are designed to to divide us. Brilliant. Why on earth would you participate in a debate that's gonna Those debates are though sometimes issues that are kind of important to some people. Absolutely. Um, no. Trans rights that Labour is circling you, you get the impression that his his heart is what I would describe in the right place. But he probably views that as a massive trapdoor that's just been laid there by the Conservatives who know that the majority of the public are quite ignorant about these issues absolutely and here's the thing i think the trans debate in politics is one of the most ugliest debates Mm -hmm. uh, ever and it's horrifying Mm. to hear people say transphobic things and i I hate it i've gone to the point where i cannot now listen to a trans debate because it just upsets me like Mm -hmm. i know it it gets to me um i had trans friends and i i couldn't even imagine what it's like to have this as a political spiral, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just it's just violent. It's violent, and and I think that's why Starmer has tried to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing: Starmer needs to get through the through the door so, to make the change. To make the change, mm-hmm. and I, and even you know, Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. one of the most known socialists. Did you like him? I love Bernie Sanders, mm. um, but even he said. The killer of the left isn't the right. The left will kill the left. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We eat ourselves. I've just given myself away there. So (laughs) why, you know, this is why Keir Starmer won't speak about these issues because we'll we'll eat each other, we'll destroy each other. He needs to get through the door Mm -hmm. before he starts speaking about these things. Mm -hmm. And I think he's doing a brilliant job. I can't wait for him until he's elected. Um, Will you cry? I think I'll cry. I think I will, yeah. I think... think. um, just at the end of all of this shit. I mean, it's not the end of it, but... It's just, it's been horrific. Yeah. Um, um, I'm really proud of Kirstam, and I know he's going to have a really tough time with the left. And, well, the left will give ev- everyone a hard time. Even even the left. The left yeah, give yeah, the left... Do. It doesn't matter. Um, well, the left are like, look at the... We, we can say the same thing about the Tories, but they have to keep the fucking far right happy. And the, the one thing that we know about the extremes of that party is that, again, it eats itself. And I think Labour is is guilty of the same thing. I heard someone the other day say, oh, a lot of Tories like Hirstarmas, so I don't like him. How on earth do you think Labour's going to win a general election? You need to, get, you need to have votes from everyone. Every, every, every kind of clique, every... Yeah, completely. You need to form a big coalition of people, don't you? I, I see people getting upset that you see Labour figures doing like editorials in um, the Telegraph, the, the Torygraph. Um, the, the the Daily Express, all of them, and um, my partner was a bit obsessed about it. I was like, "Listen, these are not necessarily statements of intent when they're making these points. These are these are signalling, signalling to um, swing voters in the southeast and whatever, and they're signalling to the global financial markets that once Labour gets into power, it's not going to just shit the bed and start to just like completely upend everything. It's kind of like there will be some stability, and unfortunately." They have to make them really bland noises in order to fit in, and I hope that's what it is, and we're not just dealing well, with a load of closet Tories. Uh, 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 well, no, I, I think I think you're right, and I think people aren't actually angry that the Labour Party are being in these uh, newspapers. People are angry that it's actually working for Kirstama. People don't want to think that you have to adapt to these people to win a general election. Mm-hmm. Actually, you do. You have to be a voice for everyone, regardless if you like it or not. If you're running a country, you're running a country of 65 million people. He has to speak to every voter out there. Almost. Almost, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think he's come a long way. Do I think he's boring? Yes. That's deliberate. Apparently he's really interesting behind the scenes, and that sounds a bit, a bit of a weird well, thing Well, the say. less you say, the more people will like you. You exactly. can't get yourself in trouble. How did David Cameron get elected? He said, fuck all. Yeah. He just literally said, fuck all, because he knew yeah. that it was in the bag. And the more you say, what do they call it? The Ming vase strategy. If you can get across the line without dropping the Ming vase, then yeah. you're in. Um. Uh, yeah, I do think this election will be really ugly, though. But I think Kirstam as well. They've already said they're going to spend more money than we've ever known in a in a election. 
Um, do you know some of the top donators for the toy pie have now donated to Keir Starmer, which has never, ever happened in the history of, of elections? It feels like the 90s all over again. I remember taking, I was, I'm, I don't know how old you are, never are. 27. Are you 27? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm 40. Are you? Yes. I turned 40. Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I remember that in the 1990s, I was a teenager and uh, it was, it, it felt the same. It did feel the same. What I will say though, is that in the context of this general election coming and transphobia being turned up and you know, we're next on the fucking block because that's how it works because they need people to, to fucking vilify in order to get these wedge issues up. Is that going to impact the kind of art that you do? No, maybe. I don't know yet. I'll have to see when it, but no. Because some people have said, you know, you're said. internally homophobic. Do you not yeah. feel that's that? I'm only bring that up from earlier because yeah, no, no, you know, people do say it's, that. It's context. Um, it's the context, isn't it? I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. I can't look into the future. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I was going to say next week? Are you shitting yourself? I uh, am. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm shitting myself. Everyone's saying this to me now. I um, feel like I should be shitting myself more. Next week, for those of you who don't know, we're going to be at the London Podcast Festival just along the road, really, in, um, in King's Cross, at King's Place. Um, you can find uh, the link to the tickets on playoutcastuk.com and on our socials. Joining will be Liam um, and also Nick Charles and Topher. Yes. Yep. Topher's, when you're gone, Topher's coming in. We're going to have a chat. I hope he's brought some butt plugs and stuff. Um, be fun. Sounds like it's going to be all the lights of we are. <laughs> or on. Or on. Or on. Um, yeah, what what's the uh, what's the what's the vibe at your end with that? We were having a chat about what we're gonna do. It's basically gonna be like this, but probably a bit more condensed because the other guys will be like, "Excuse me." Hi. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about that? I'm a, I'm really excited. I'm yeah. a bit nervous too. Um, I th- I don't know how the fuck it's gonna go. I'm just gonna turn up and just be myself. What's the cancel? I never. Yeah, I know well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you you've made a really good decision of putting me on your show, I or know. you've made the worst mistake of your career. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll see. I feel. Like, I feel like there's balance. And also, I don't. I don't get why you get fucking cancelled because all it takes is a is a is a bit of a conversation. You were on an image once that I used for some marketing on Instagram, and someone wrote "fuck off," and I was like, "He's not even fucking said anything." What is it? What is it? Like kryptonite to some people, aren't you? Do you remember that person that uh, said I look like a pass around party bottom? He <laughs> laughed. <laughs> so much do we all this is on tiktok and there was another person on tiktok that was like he used to go to my school such a drama queen they rinsed me (laughs) it could have been worse it could have been worse it made me laugh though pass around party bottom (laughs) sounds like a fun fucking evening (laughs) (laughs) right liam it's been so nice uh to have a catch up thanks for coming into my um (laughs) crack den studio no it's not a crack den it's um yeah it is it's my it's listen it's it's a cheap it's a cheap studio in um in london it's fun it's fun. Yeah, it's a good it's, spot. It's, it's always, like it's always it, fun yeah. doing this. Right, so um, I'll see you next week. Think, don't be nervous. I, I won't think be. it's all going to be fine. I'll be there. That's worried me, the fact that you said I'll be there. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there. I'll is turn he, up if I've got enough time. Is he? I'll okay. check my rotor. <laughs> yeah, you check your rotor. Right, nice one. I'll see you soon. Play Outcast UK on TikTok and Instagram. Just search Play Outcast UK.